are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. I want to speak about the battle for all of our minds. Right now, and it was prayed about earlier, praying for the military and how we need to do that. But, you know, there's around 200 countries in the world. It varies a bit. Right now, there's some 10 countries that are at war, and many, many more are in conflict. I mean, many are in conflict. But when you think about 10 out of 200 even being at war, that is a high percentage of unrest and conflict that's going on. My wife and I watched a movie some time ago entitled The 33. It was about a gold mine that had caved in in Chile around 2010. And it, it really, really got our attention. My, what a, what a movie it was. And you remember if you saw it and if you didn't, the struggle that these 33 people had to survive. I'll talk about it a little bit as I go through my message, but what was really interesting was they needed, you know, they had about 17 days in order to get, you know, help down to them. And they had to drill through the most incredibly strong and just tough stone and rock. And uh, drills were breaking. I mean, uh, they had to bring in a special magnet from Brazil because Canada had lent them at one time uh, a drill to go through the rock and it had broken and they had to get a magnet that was so strong to pull it out. Otherwise, they couldn't have kept going down. And 17 days was to get down to get them air and to get them life and, and you know, food and, and all the things they had to do. Could you imagine being trapped for 17 days. I mean, has anybody ever had an MRI? I mean, you know, they put you in this little round tube and they stick these headsets on you and they give you a little ball and say, push this if you get in trouble and you need help. And you're thinking, what? And they go, it's going to be really loud. And you're inside this thing, and, and I had to go some time ago, and, and I was there for like 45 minutes. And they were checking my heart, and they had this thing over my heart area, and they were shooting dye into my body, and I would get cold, and then I'd get hot, and I was in this tight little place, and I would open my eyes and shut them because it seemed too weird. And the, the sound was like a jackhammer going on, you know. And you had these headsets on. I thought, man, imagine if I didn't have these headsets on, how loud it really would be. But in that place, you know, you want to be brave. Don't you? You want to be brave. Everyone wants to be brave. We teach our kids to be brave. We sing that song, you make me brave. But when you're inside of the tunnel, you're inside the cave, that place that's collapsed around you, you don't always feel brave. Sometimes you think, should I push this little button because that'll get me help? But, you know, what are they going to do? Bring you out and, and give you a lollipop or, you know, try to soothe you? I remember one time I was in a medical, actually, emergency. I had 
a, a, a blood clot and it was, uh, it was going to my lung and, and they were taking out this, this whatever, intravenous thing and, and it was happening and they were telling me, just think happy thoughts. Just think happy thoughts. Or go to that happy place. You know, and I really was thinking about John Camp in the 60s. <laughs> you either praise God then and worship God or you get a reefer. I mean, and definitely you don't get a reefer, right? So, so you just think about happy thoughts. But how easy is it to think about happy thoughts when you're not feeling happy? Right? You see... We have a battle and the thoughts and the feelings that we had before we were Christians. Paul says, the next slide goes, we are human, but we do not wage war with human plans and methods. It's so powerful. We are humans, but we do not wage war with human plans and methods. I was watching YouTube last night, and this will be good for all of my army friends. But somewhere over Germany, the Americans were doing drops, right, from the airplanes, and they were dropping Humvees. And uh, there was a bunch of them coming out of the airplanes. And I don't know how somebody was filming it because they were, and they shouldn't have been, but they were filming it from a distance. And all of a sudden, the chutes wouldn't open, and the Humvees were going straight down and hitting the ground and exploding. And it happened once, and then it happened twice. It happened three times in just a few seconds. And you heard the person on the other end of the video laughing their head off like thought it was hilarious. Well, you can imagine the embarrassment it was to the military, but also the cost. And, of course, nobody, you don't want to see that happen. But we're human. Even when we have it down to a science, even when we are so sophisticated, we're human. We're human beings. We're not human doings. We're not like objects. Or impersonal forces. I have a grandson and he wants to always read Star Wars. And so we read it. And, you know, for me it's like, ugh, I don't really care for it. And I find myself, I'm always having to correct certain things because there's so much spirituality in it. The force. I mean, we talk about the force, but it's, it's spirituality. And then often it's talking about other things that relate to, to the mind you know, because if you just, really, it's levitation. And if you just think with your mind, you can lift things or move things. And what is that? You see, the mind is powerful. It's strong. And the world knows that. And they tap into it. They do it through commercials. They, I'm, you're watching the hockey. You're watching the football. You're watching whatever. And, and they just bring on the right commercials over and over and over again. And next thing you know, you feel thirsty or hungry or you want to buy a new car. <laughs> and you don't know why. You just know you need to buy a new car. And you really feel that way when your team loses, right? Because you've got to make yourself feel better. You see, many of us still try to win the battle with our minds the same way we did before we were Christian. Philippians 2 and 5 says, Let this mind... The word mind there is the word in the Greek phroneo. Let this phroneo be in you. That word phroneo, mind, means this understanding or to be wise. 
Let this wisdom, let this understanding, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Our brains are complex. They are the centers for where pleasure and pain take place. Our senses take place because of our brain. Our body movements take place because of our brain. Our, our memories, our emotions, which include fears and anxieties and, and being uh, anxious and different things like that. Our thoughts, our language. Isn't it interesting how little children can learn a language so fast and so easy, but as we get older, it's harder, and it's really hard the older we get. When we're senior, we don't think we can even do it. I remember talking to a doctor who was studying. He had finished now. He was a doctor, but he was talking about when he had been studying to become a doctor. And he said that from the time he started in the medical study to the time that he ended, he said in that time, his memory was not as good as what it was in the beginning. He said, like, there literally was a change in those years. And there's things that we have to do in the natural to help ourselves to remember. We can't just say, well, I, I don't remember. We, we have to find ways to keep on improving our thought life and our memory. You see, our thoughts, language all happen in that area. Sleep and dreams take place because of your mind, your brain. And so do mental disorders. 2 Corinthians, it'll be on the screen. It says in chapter 10 and, and verse 4 and 5, the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. Remember, we are human beings, and yet we want to fight oftentimes with weapons that are of this world, but it says they are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, the weapons that we fight with, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds. Strongholds, other words for that in other translations is imaginations or mindsets or arguments. We demolish, verse 5, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive. Listen, if you want to, if you're in the military or related to it here in Coal Lake, this is military stuff, isn't it? We take captive, what does it say? Every thought to make it what? Obedient to Christ. <clears throat> I don't have time to get into this, but it's so easy for us to fall back on, well, that's the way I was raised. You know, that's the way I learned to do that. Or, you, you know, I'm German, and so of course I'm what? Stubborn. I'm Irish, so I'm? I'm Scottish, so I'm cheap. What's another one? You get my point. It's so easy for us to fall back into that. I mean, I'm Dutch. Oh, my goodness. Dutch. Thumb in the dike. You know that picture? You remember that? You got to be a bit older, maybe. But you remember the little boy with the thumb in the dike? Because you know they have dikes, right? And to waterways and all that. And he's not going to let the water get out. He's strong-willed. Right? 
Stubborn is too, you know, it's, that's a mean word. Let's think good thoughts. Let's go to happy places. He's not stubborn. He's strong-willed. And so it's like children when they're strong-willed. You don't want to break their will. You want to shape their will. You want to shape it. You don't want to break it. So a strong-willed child is a wonderful thing for them to have, the strong will. But it, ma it matters which way they go with that. And that's where this comes in. You see, it starts in our walk with God where the enemy tries to stop us in our, in our thinking. He wants to captivate us. And we are supposed to take our thoughts captive. He starts with what's called a toehold, I think. And that involves using the hand to hyperextend or hyperrotate the ankle, typically by grabbing the foot near the toes and twisting or pushing the foot while controlling the opponent's legs. That's something you do in wrestling. And, and you go from a toehold into a leg hold and then into a stronghold or really a control move on that person. And you can, you can by manipulating the foot, you can really manipulate their whole body until they can't move or they have to tap out because the pain is too great. See, that key word in the verse where we talked about imaginations or strongholds, our minds are capable of all kinds of mindsets. So I want us really quickly to look at a few different mindsets because really that's what we're supposed to take into, uh, uh, into captivity are those mindsets. So one of them would be a doubtful mind, a doubtful mind. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 3, that's a story where the, the serpent comes into the garden. And the Bible says he was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God said? He didn't say God did say, or he didn't say God didn't say. He said in the King James, Old English, hath God said. Or has God said? He posed the question. You know how some people, people do that? They, they never give you a straight answer. They always ask or answer a question with a question. They think they're being real smooth. You know, in what I do in ministry, I, I've been the superintendent now for nine years, but I was in the district office in other positions for nine years before that. So it's been 18 wonderful long years. Amen. And we've been there learning and growing. But one of the things is that I'm on the credentials committee. Been there for 18 years. Quite a while. I've probably interviewed a thousand people or more for credentials. After a thousand interviews, you kind of learn a few things. And it helps to get right to the point sometimes. Because some people are very slippery. And they have this mindset of, uh, of doubt. And we've got to kick doubt out. Amen? We've got to get rid of those kind of thoughts. Half God said. Of course God had said. You know. It's like children. Well, what did mom say? Or what is dad saying? And trying to pit the two against the other. In the workplace. Trying to get one manager to disagree with another one. And sort of slide down the middle. 
We see it in politics right now. Look at America with Trump and, and with, with, with Cruz. And now, you know, they're going to probably go to a conference. And when they go there, they, you know, who knows? They might split and somebody come down the middle. See, a doubtful mind is, is something that the enemy uses to try to get us to question the validity or the veracity or, or the word of God. When the word of God, the Bible says, is forever settled. It's settled. And that the worlds can pass away, it says. But it says not one word will ever return void. It will not return void. It will accomplish what it is sent to do. Amen? Whatever you speak in faith, if God's word is spoken in faith, it will produce what it is sent to do. Amen? Martin Luther wrote, he said, the devil throws hideous thoughts into the soul. Hatreds of God, blasphemy, despair. Writing of his personal struggle, Martin Luther said, when I wake at night, the devil tarries not to seek me out. In other words, he wasn't trying to take him out. He disputes with me, he said. Like he comes and he begins to argue with me. He said, he makes me to give birth to all kinds of strange thoughts. This is Martin Luther. The devil understands, he says, how to produce arguments that exasperate me. Sometimes we think our spouse does that. No, I'm saying, you know, people think it's the spouse. The woman that you gave me, remember? Wasn't that in that same passage? Right? Instead of, you know, he had a telephone number, Adam 812. <clears throat> That's an old one. Instead of him taking ownership for his own mistake, he said, but the woman, you see. And Martin Luther says, he comes to exasperate me. Sometimes he has produced such as to make me doubt whether or not there is a God. This is Martin Luther, friends. This is the father of the Reformation. It wasn't always easy. He, he nailed the theses to the wall, the 99 theses. It wasn't always easy, friends. He didn't just arrive at that point overnight. He had to learn how to deal with the devil. Number two, a blinded mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And even if our gospel is veiled or hid, it is veiled or hid to those that are what? Perishing. The God, not God, but the God, the small g God of this age has blinded the minds. Where does he blind them? In their minds. Their thinking, their thoughts, their will, their emotion. So you may be sitting here today saying, you know what, I just can't see that. I've heard the messages, I've read the Bible, I can't understand that. Or it doesn't make sense to me. Or you may be here today or maybe know somebody that says, I know that I'm sinning, I know I'm doing wrong, but I can't see my way through it. Because he blinds the minds. Number three, uh, uh, another mindset is a closed mind. 2 Timothy 3.7 says, we're always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. Now, has there ever been a generation 
where more knowledge exists than today. No. It was around the 1900s when knowledge for the first time doubled. It took all of those years for knowledge to double. And then after that, it began to double more often. And now it's doubling so fast that by the time the hardware, the computers come on the shelves, they're almost already obsolete. So you have an iPhone 6S, and you have to update it by the time you get it because it sat on the shelf for a while, and it's already behind. See what I'm saying? Because knowledge and information is growing so fast. Let me illustrate. Our ability to think and reason is similar to the way a computer functions. The, compu the computer hardware with all of its wires and circuitry is like our brain. It's the physical part. However, the computer is useless without what? The software. Programs must be installed to the memory of the computer in order for it to function. The software, like the mind, is not physical. While you can add or remove software from your computer, you won't make the computer heavier or lighter. Correct? It remains unchanged except by the software it contains. But the hardware is useless without the software. Our society assumes that if something's not working right between our ears, then it must be a hardware problem. If you struggle with suicidal thoughts, if you are depressed, if you are paranoid, anxious, fearful, you fill in the blocks. Whatever mental problem you may possibly have, it must be caused by, and it will always be in the physical realm, they will say it must be a hardware problem. And the reason for this is not because it isn't, because on many occasions it is. There are things wrong with the brain, just like other parts of the body. But understand this, that our medicine is mostly Western and, and it does not want to deal with other issues. And there are complex, spiritual, uh, sociological, and all kinds of issues that people have grown up with, that they have gotten involved in. The, the drug culture. Do you know that the word for drug at, it, and pharmacy, they're very connected. And there is a connection between pharmacia and the whole area of occultism. So when you are involved in drugs, thank you, brother, for bringing it up today. But when you are involved with drugs, you are opening up your mind to a spiritual experience that will be in that area of doubt, hath God really said. It will not be clear. It will not be right. It will take you down the wrong path. It will make you blame the woman or it will make you blame the man. It will make you want to eat brownies all the time. And when you're done, you'll not know why. I have a little understanding in this area. Not personal. Not personal, brother. I need to talk to you more about, you know, it'll help me with my message content. He's not going to get off the hook that easy. 
the reason doctors and psychiatrists think it's a hardware problem and stand, I stand in this place to say today it can be a, a, a problem that needs medication. And while you're on medication, many times God uses uh, uh, you know, that to help stabilize and help people and get them on track. But ultimately, we need the Savior's power in our lives. Ultimately, we need Him to correct that which has gone wrong. It doesn't matter if it's spiritual, physical, emotional, financial, domestic, whatever, relational. We need God in our lives. And we can't fight this battle as alone or without God's ability. It can't be fought in human terms is what I'm saying. We need to stop waging war as the world and use weapons with divine power to what demolish strongholds by taking every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is not a physical problem. I would guarantee you that almost every one of our struggles that we have fought without knowing that Christ could come to fight them for us, we were sure the problem was another person. It was almost always a person, that person, if they hadn't done that to me. And even in the church, when we're upset, you know, it's the pastor's fault, it's the deacon's fault, it's the elder's fault, it's the color of the carpet's fault, whatever fault. It's always somebody else's fault. Why? Because we are so prone to make it a flesh and blood fight. But understand the word of God says it's not a fight against flesh and blood. It might seem like it is. Now, hear me out. The enemy may be using a person, for sure, for sure. But is the person the problem? No, they're not. Because if they were the problem, then the thing is they could be the solution. If you could get help from a man, then you wouldn't need God. So you always, I always need to go back to the thing, to the fact that God is my very present help in a time of trouble. The Bible says in Psalms 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The strength of my life. Amen? How are we to overcome the strongholds we have allowed Satan to build in our lives? How do we break free? Well, I'm going to give you one more negative and then I'm going to move to a powerful positive as I close. The last one before the positive one is number four, a reprobate mind. I ask this question in places. I say, how many, and I'll ask you, how many are familiar or you know what the word reprobate means? Hold up your hand. Let me ask, how many don't know what the word means? Right. About 80%. Now, you know Pastor Hayward because it's a King James Version. The new or Bibles, you know, translations say depraved. So if you said depraved, you'd know what depraved means, right? Most of you depraved? All right. So Romans 1.28 says, Furthermore, since they did not think, here's the word again, it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind or to a reprobate mind. See, that's the word that could be used there, reprobate, depraved. 
So what does the word reprobate mean? Now, chapter 1 of Romans is where we're living today. As you get to the end of the chapter, it's where people are turning everything upside down. And they're saying this is normal when it's not normal. They're redefining what God created and saying we can be God. We can decide what we'll call that. Thank you very much. Now, it doesn't change the truth, right? You can't change what God started, but you can try in your humanness to try to, you know, blame and get around it through all of these mindsets. So a reprobate mind or a depraved mind is a mind that has vanishing conscience. Number one. Number two, a reprobate mind has no regret over committed sins. Number three, a reprobate mind has resentment towards Christ, towards God, and his church. So a depraved mind, a reprobate mind, really hates God and really hates the church. You ever met somebody like that? Now, sometimes the church has given people reason. We've made some stupid mistakes. We have to take ownership for that. It's not Christ, but people in churches have done some bad things. And we have to take responsibility for that. Right? Right? We cannot live like the world and expect them to see Christ in us. We cannot fight each other, flesh and blood, and expect them to want to join that army. Right? So... We take responsibility, but the truth of the matter is that there is this hate of God. It's hard to understand when he's the answer, the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. You've got to come through Christ to go to heaven, and yet there's a hatred of God. And, and fourthly, a reprobate mind lacks sensitivity to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not a doctor, but let me just say in studying the mind for probably 35 years of ministry because it's always been an area of my, of my concern and my thoughts and my, my area of, uh, of study. And as you look at antisocial personality disorder or psychopathy or sociopathy, you see that individuals with this disorder have little regard for the feelings and the welfare of others. Antisocial personality disorder can be a chronic disorder, beginning in adolescence and continuing through adulthood. Let me give you 10 things that they would say are associated with this, with this mental disorder. Number one, not learning from experience. Number two, no sense of responsibility. Number three, inability to form meaningful relationships. Number four, inability to control impulses. Number five, lack of moral sense. Number six, chronic antisocial behavior. Number seven, no change in behavior after punishment. Number eight, emotional immaturity. Number nine, lack of guilt. Number 10, self-centeredness. I would argue that this disorder is very similar if not the same as a depraved or a reprobate mind. Romans chapter 1. Because we have been doubting God, we have been blind to things, we have walked in our own ways, we have said we don't need God, we can do it ourselves, 
God says, listen, you can't do it yourself. Right? We can't make it on our own. We need each other. Pastor Hayward, that was one of the most honoring and warm personal invitations to the pulpit that I've received for years. To stand with you, shoulder to shoulder, arm around each other, and for you to speak of the relationship of love that exists amongst us as brothers in Christ. That comes because of the nature of God inside of you. So I want to close with this last mindset, number five. It's a renewed mind or a spiritual mind or a healthy mind altogether. It's a renewed mind. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23 says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. We need to have our minds renewed after we are saved because our sin nature and our sin choices we made before Christ and after Christ as well. All of us brought a lot of baggage into our Christian walk. Amen? We brought a lot of baggage. And some of the bags got checked into the Lord and we said, here God, we don't want that bag. And God said, well fine, I'll take it. But you know what? Sometimes we hang on to those little cute bags, the ones that we can kind of conceal, that we can, you know, maybe the money belt bag, you know, close it up, put it on your belt, whatever, and then hide it through your jacket. You look good. Maybe it's whatever that you have in your life, something in your heart that you have not turned over. We have four chambers in the heart. Maybe three out of four are dedicated to God, but maybe one is not. And so that one we just reserve for ourselves. Like, God, I really don't want you to come in here. You see, when it comes to personality, we often say we can't change the way we act because it's who we are. And I would argue today, I would state today that I believe that salvation is what gives us, salvation gives us the born-again experience and it gives us new life, eternal life. But I would say to you today, all of us need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds in order that we could function on a day-to-day, year-to-year basis in a way that's not only pleasing to God, but it's pleasing to each other. In other words, the Bible says when you live at peace with God and when you live with peace with the Word of God, you make even your enemies, even your enemies come around. And, and live at peace with you. Why? Because your enemies begin to see so- something in your life. That's why Alpha was up there. And that's why you're going to do Alpha. And I believe that the Alpha for Canada that's going across the nation right now, starting this fall, I believe that I've heard they're believing for like a million people in Canada to come to know Christ. I could be wrong, but it's something like a million people. It's a large number. Because we believe the harvest is going to come in. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 2, I think it's on the screen. It says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And there's three types of God's will. His good will, his pleasing will, and his perfect will. Now, what is one of the things that we hear the most as pastors as we go through ministry? I've been in ministry now for going on 33 years full-time. 
What do we hear the most? What is the will of God for my life? How can I know God's direction? Uh, in fact, when pastors come into the ministry uh, and, and they become vocational ministers, they often, we say, they have been called to the ministry. But all of us are called to be in ministry. Amen? All of us have been called to serve the Lord. All of us are to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How can we know the perfect will of God? And why does the Scripture say that you might understand it at these three different levels? Because I believe that it's not about whether or not you're saved, but it's whether or not that renewing is taking place on a daily basis. Paul said, I die daily. Now let me say that again. This is St. Paul who wrote, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a half or more of the New Testament, he said, Paul, he died daily. Imagine, he had to die daily. This is why for some, they know the good will of God or the acceptable will of God. And others understand that perfect will of God because that dying process Paul said, I die. He says, I, I, how would it say in Galatians, the life I now live, I live through faith in the Son of God. He says, who loved me and gave himself for me. He talked about dying daily and how that everything about his life was to be changed as he was transformed by the renewing of his mind. The word metamorpho is the word transformed. So if you see that word up there that says transformed, the Greek word is metamorpho. Now, you know the word metamorphous. Metamorphous, right? We study that in science. Biological process by which an animal physically develops after birth. Metamorphous. This is not that. This is metamorpho. Say that with me. Metamorpho. Say it again. Metamorpho. What does it mean? To change into another form, to be transformed, or to be transformed. Figured. Matthew chapter 17, verse 2. There he was, Jesus, transfigured before them. There he was, metamorphosed before them. One other place in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, if you're writing it down. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being more food are being transformed into what? The image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And when the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty. Let's say freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 3.18 we are being metamorphosed, transformed into his image. And that's why I can close with 2 Timothy 1.7. For God, for God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. People, we need to develop an attitude. God is with us. Amen. We need to depend on God's word. Never Will he leave you? Never will he forsake you. 
It's a double imperative. You know, the scripture says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you till the end of the age. Here's how it's written in the original. I will never leave you. No, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No, I will never forsake you. It's like the verily, verilys. Surely, surelys. It's like verily, verily. I want, to, I want you to get this point. Metamorphic, you know, and I get you to repeat it twice, three times. Why? Because our minds need to catch the truth of God's word. Last week I was at North Point speaking in Edmonton. It was an ordination service and it, it was very short. I had like 15 minutes because they have multiple services. And so we had to... But I was able to deliver the word that God had in my heart. And afterwards, a lady and her husband came up to me and said, would you send the notes, please? We weren't able to get it all. And it blessed me, not because they wanted my notes. It blessed me because of the hunger and the wanting to know what was that point. See, this really, it's the word of God and it's forever settled in heaven. But for me personally, it's, it's 35 years of study. It's, it's 35 years of, of wanting to know how I could live a life that would not, would not make Christ's church shameful or would not make Christ and salvation look like a scam or a fraud. You know what I'm saying? That the world would know this thing is real. They wouldn't say that we're perfect. They'd say we're free. They wouldn't say that we're better than other people. They would say we're patient, kind, long-suffering. They wouldn't say that we never make mistakes. They'd just say whatever things are lovely and pure and have a good report, think on these things. They'd say, I don't know, that whenever I talk to that man, that woman, I feel something, something peaceful. When they go into your home, they say your home is a place where I feel safe. When you do business with somebody, you give them your word. You keep your word. You keep your word. Even when we get married, we have a, a contract. We sign a marriage license. Contracts are made to be broken. And that's why as Christians, we do not marry into a contractual agreement. We have a covenant. We have a covenant with one another. And a covenant can only be broken through death. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus came and died, took on humanity, became a man, never losing his deity, but he, he went through life completely 100% man, 100% God, relied upon the Holy Spirit for everything. Would you pray with me this morning? Holy Spirit, we rely upon you for everything. Father, we want to be on the mountaintop, not just so we can say we're with Jesus on the mountain, but so that we could be experiencing that metamorpho, that transformation. Father, that our minds could be so crystal clear. Why don't you just lay your hand upon your head right now and just say, Jesus, let my mind and my thoughts be crystal clear.
Let my thoughts be your thoughts. Let my mind be your mind. Let my ways be your ways. Let everything that I do be pleasing unto you, O God. Forgive me where I have waged war against flesh and blood. Forgive us, God, where we have not represented you well. Help us to represent you so that you might be represented well in Christ's name. In Christ's name. Let's just bow our heads for a moment and just stay in his presence. I believe there's a number of people here this morning that God is changing things right now. He's putting things back into place. He's reordering the chemistry. He's healing memories. He's healing hurts. He's healing pains. He's going back to even the source where you may have found yourself trapped in a lie and you have believed the lie even as a Christian for 20 years. That lie has been there and that lie is being demolished right now. That lie is being destroyed right now because of the anointing. The anointing breaks the yokes. The yokes are destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing. Father, we call on you. Why don't we just raise our hands with our palms up so that we're going to go into a position, a posture of receiving right now. And if you want to kneel where you are, I'm just going to kneel and just raise my hands and say, Father, Lord, I need to receive from you right now whatever you have for me. Father, Lord, as an individual, Lord, as a father, as a son, as a husband, as a brother, as a brother-in-law, as an uncle, as a nephew, God, in every area of my life, God, whatever you have asked me to do, however you want me to live out my life for the rest of my days, Father, I would ask that you would empower me, that you would empower those, God, that have their hands raised with their palms up because, Lord, their hands are open. They're not closed. They're not angry. They're not like a closed fist flinched, ready to fight, ready to battle against flesh and blood. But they're saying, God, here I am. Here I am. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, in this place right now. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Hallelujah. Father, we pray in the Spirit. We pray in the understanding. Your word says that. Lord, your word speaks of how that we can pray in a heavenly language. Father, you can baptize everyone right now in this place in the Holy Spirit. All those that want to receive the Holy Spirit, just right now say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, baptize me. Let my mind not get in the way. Father, use my mouth, use my tongue, use my vocal cords. Father, use my heart today. Use my life, O oh God. Holy Spirit, just open your mouth and just begin to worship Him. We worship you, mighty God. We worship you, God. There is none like you. Right now, if you're in a place, a position, a posture, if you're on the mountain being transfigured, you're being metamorphosed right now, just let God change whatever it is. Let Him bring in what He needs to bring in and take out what He needs to take out. Let Him bring all the blessings of heaven right now. And pour them in. The Bible says they'll be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So much so that you'll not be able to contain them all. 
you will not be able to contain them. Isn't that good? You see, if you can't contain them all, then you're going to have to give it away. You're going to have to give away what you have received. Freely, you have received, freely give. Freely give. Hallelujah. Freely give. Oh, not as the world give, Jesus said. He says, I give you peace. Not as the world gives. He says, my peace will pass understanding. He says, my peace will do more in a second, in a nanosecond than you could get from a lifetime of trying to do it on your own. My peace, he says, I give to you. I give it to you right now. My peace, I give to you in Jesus' name. My peace. My peace. Peace. There's a song I sang for years to my children. It went like this. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever I pray in fathomless billows of love. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above, sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. My daughter was giving birth to our grandson six years, six years ago. She was having a difficult delivery. Things were not going well toward the end. She'd given birth. And she was not in a good place. She was married. She had this little baby, beautiful child, Theodore. And I just, in the delivery room, I just leaned down and began to sing peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless, fathomless billows of love. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.